Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And speaking of traveling the world, we're currently traveling through the Philippines. Last week, we were up in the northern Philippines in um, uh, Laog area. Now we are actually more central Philippines in uh, Carmen area. And we're in Carmen and uh, Rosales. That's the town we're in today. And uh, broadcasting live on location. And if you're interested in our travels, Make sure you check out daddyblogger.com for a lot of pictures, videos, and blog posts. And one of the things I love to interview on a show is fellow travelers, fellow uh, expats, and fellow bloggers, and fellow authors. And I have an amazing couple on the show here today who have been retired since the age of 38. Yes, you heard that right. They've been retired since the age of 38. And they've created an amazing lifestyle for themselves, retiring young and being able to travel and explore this wonderful world that we all live in. Uh, they set up bases in different parts of Asia, Central, South America, and beyond. And uh, they live and they travel and they explore. And they not only do that, but they teach others to do the same. Uh, so I guess today their names are Billy and Acacia, and they're the founders of Retire Early Lifestyle, retireearlylifestyle.com. And uh, I love the tagline. The tagline is retire, retirement, like your parents, but way cooler. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And uh, they've actually written nine books, everything from financial independence uh, to different travel locations, uh, even stuff to do with medical tourism and much more. And they're joining us from uh, on location today from just near Lake Chapala, which is actually the largest expat community in the world. A little bit of trivia for you. I didn't know if you guys knew that, but it's the largest expat community in the world, Lake Chapala in Mexico. So, uh, Billy and Acacia, how are you guys doing there in beautiful uh, Lake Chapala, Mexico today? We're doing great. We're doing thank well. You. Thank you for having us. And thank you for being on. So, let's start at the beginning and let's trace it back. Before we find out how you retired, let's trace it back all the way to how you guys met, fell in love, your marriage, and a little bit of that <laughs> journey, you know? Everyone wants to know the retirement story. I don't want to know the retirement story. I want to know the marriage story. Let's, let's start there. Let's start there, and then we can fast forward to retirement. Well, I, I had been, I have a, I'm a chef by trade, and I, uh, I was trained, trained in France uh, to be a French chef, and I came back to the U.S., and I, I was working in one of the uh, premier restaurants, in the five-star restaurants in the United States. At the time, there was only nine of them. It was called La Maisonette in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I was the only American in the kitchen. Everybody else was French. Um, and so what happened is I, got, I was just getting burned out. I mean, I mean, it is just cooking was taking a toll on me. And so a friend of mine invited me to go to California. Like I said, I was in Cincinnati, Ohio, and he's a chef as well. And he said, you might try this area called Santa Cruz, California. So, so I packed it up and I, and I, I left the restaurant and went to Santa Cruz, California. And I wanted to take a few months off. Uh, in between my cooking career, and so I, um, there was a fire going on at that time, uh, just like the fires in, in in California now. They they happen every year, and so there was what was called the Big Surf Fire, and so I decided I'd like to take photography, and so um, I decided to go to uh, uh, to see if I could volunteer to fight this fire because I thought I could get some great photos of you know the guys with the shovels and the and the sooted faces and and dirty clothes. You know what I'm talking about. Um, and so uh, I, I had to go to the state parks and recreation office in order to volunteer. And she was working. I was at the front desk. So 
I you know, gave him the information and, and, you know, when you work for the state, you have to apply, you have to get insurance, you know, it's this whole drawn out thing. Well, the fire's burning today and he thinks that he can get in today and I'm trying to let him know, no, no, you've got to sign up and so on. And I gave him the phone number. Well, he comes back a day or two later and wants the phone number again. I'm going, you know, he's really cute, but not too smart. <laughs> you know, he can't even hang on to this phone number. And he, wants, he doesn't understand what I'm telling him. So I give him the phone number again, again. And so anyway, so that went on for a little while. And, and um, that's how we initially met. But there's a, another interesting story, which I won't go into full detail. But my other relationship at the time was dying. And... Uh, he took me to the best restaurant in town, which has happened to be the place where Billy was cooking. Billy's the chef. And there was a big party in the other room. Things got a little risque with the chocolate mousse. And, and so I'm backing up as Billy is running out to find out what they're doing to his chocolate mousse. And we kind of smack right into each other. <laughs> and he goes, what are they doing to my chocolate mousse? And I said, well, that's my boyfriend doing it with the chocolate mousse. So. That's how we met. I got rid of the boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> what a beautiful story. Thank you for tracing it back there. Uh, so obviously, you guys, you guys set it up. You set yourself up for success by uh, retiring at 38. Uh, tell us about what did you guys do? I mean, in terms of uh, careers, in terms of investing, in terms of preparation. Like, did you always have this game plan, like not retire by 65, but retire by 38? Did you actually have that number in mind? Or tell us about how that came into fruition. Okay, we, um, we, we went to France, and uh, uh, I worked over there some more, and then we came back, and I needed a job, and uh, so we ended up buying a restaurant. We were the originators of the no money down business transaction, because we had no money, and hmm. so we, uh, we were able to scrounge together enough for the down payment, and the owners carried the rest of the loan, and we bought a restaurant, and we owned that for 10 years. And in, during that period, um, I was approached. What happened was that while we had the restaurant, there was a major flood in Santa Cruz, California, and it, it uh, washed out the water lines into the city. And so the, we were, had to close down for health purposes because we had no fresh water in the restaurant. And that really interrupted our cash flow. And I told Acacia at the time that uh, we needed another source of income. We needed to do something to smooth out these ups and downs because the restaurant business is cyclical anyway. And so uh, we, I started investing. We started investing. We opened an account at a local Dean Witter office in Santa Cruz, California, and we started doing pretty well. And I got to know the branch manager of the office, and we started catering parties for him. And then one day he asked me if I'd like to join Dean Witter. I said, uh, you know, look, I, I've never worked in an office. I don't know. And, you know much about it other than I do my own account and trading and he goes no I'll teach you I'll teach you how to do this whatever so I let I said no at that time but a year later I was ready uh, um, and so he came at me again and I decided to give it a try and so I got into the brokerage business and uh, uh, meanwhile that, I'm still running the restaurant right She's so we had two careers at that time and so uh, we were you know running the between the two of them, we were doing pretty well financially, and we owned our home in Santa Cruz, California, and uh, uh, it just got to a point, though, where we started drifting apart. By, by now, we'd sold the restaurant, and we uh, Acacia was the executive secretary for a civil engineering firm, and I was a now branch manager of a brokerage office, 
and I was managing about $170 million, and this is in the 80s, and it was just, we started drifting apart, and, and we could see that something had to give here, or something had to change, and so I, I read a couple magazine articles uh, about people traveling around the world, and it piqued my interest, and the more I looked into it, the more I thought about, you know, what are we doing, what are we living for? And then it was a question of, well, can financially can we do this and how much is enough? And so we satisfied both of those answers and we took two years to plan it. Now, one tip that we, we mentioned to a lot of people during this period is we did not sit, tell anybody of our dream, not our parents, not our brothers and sisters, not our friends, no one, because we didn't want them to poke holes in it and tear us down. So it was just between Acacia and I, and after two years, we, uh, we put the house up for sale and uh, and sold everything, invested it all into the equity markets, and here we are today, 38 years later. No, 38 years, 28 years later, excuse me, <laughs> 28 years later. What an incredible journey, and thanks for sharing that. And uh, we'll definitely get, get some tips on, uh, you know, for other people who want to do likewise, even if they, they might have crossed the 38, uh, you know, age barrier. You, you guys did it, you know, within a couple of years of really planning and strategizing and executing on the, that game plan. So you guys retired at, the, you know, the age of 38, uh, young and ripe. And tell us about what happened from 38 uh, to, you mentioned, like uh, 28 years later, so a couple of decades couple of decades and a half of traveling, living in different countries and continents. Tell us about how has that looked like? You know, maybe uh, give us some of the major highlights over the last 28 years. Well, I think the, the initial uh, introduction into traveling and being retired, um, it was an adjustment for us because there was a lot of criticism. There was nobody to, to mentor for us. You know, we, we had to do it on our own. So we, we went down to the islands of the British West Indies, Nevis, St. Kitts, and uh, lived in paradise there for a while. And then we went to Venezuela. Then we bought an RV and went around uh, the U.S. for a little while. And then some friends invited us to do some international travel, inviting us to Mexico. And we got real involved in the community here in Chapala. Billy built some tennis courts. And I taught English as a second language. And... And then we started going to Asia, which was extraordinary. We really enjoyed that. And, you know, we've just, we kind of come and go as the seasons or as we choose. And, you know, then we stumbled into medical tourism because when you're on the road, sometimes you become ill. We've had emergencies where we've had to go to the hospital. So we started learning about the costs of, uh, of medical tourism. And, and we found that we really, we really do enjoy the life on the road. And the people are wonderful everywhere. And, one other thing I'd like to say is, is during this period, um, we lost all of our parents, all four of our parents. And what was satisfying to us is that we were able to give end of life care to three of our four parents. And that was very much of a uh, uh, reward for us and we hope for them. But it was uh, something we could have never done had we continued in careers and just to actually live with them in their final months um, was very satisfying for both of us. What an incredible gift you've given, uh, you know, your parents and, uh, you know, you're obviously not only created an amazing life yourself, but you've uh, blessed a whole bunch of people and equipped them, supported them through all of your resources, including your blog, including your books. So 
tell us about this journey to not just write one book or two or three or four or five, but nine different books. I know as a fellow author how hard it is to write books. I'm actually in the midst of releasing my, my book series. It's uh, seven books about the seven continents in seven months. I've released South America, North America, Europe, and in Asia, Australia, Africa, and Antarctica coming up. So I know from firsthand experience how hard it is to write just one book. Uh, tell us about the, uh, you know your journey. Is it both of you writing? Tell us about the you know process of writing and how have you gone to publish nine books and counting? Okay, well, our first book is called The Adventure's Guide to Early Retirement, and we had been retired for 15 years before we wrote the book. So we had some uh, years of experience behind us, and and so we were able, we were able to walk the walk and talk the talk, and but. We like to that book. The first one is always the hardest, of course, and uh, you know we like to say that we had many high volume discussions over over <laughs> what should get edited and what shouldn't get edited and how we should should proceed with this. Now you got to understand, you know, we did not have a publisher. Now you know we're we're uh, uh, first time writers and um, uh, no publisher is going to look at us. So so what I came up with this idea was to put it onto a CD ROM. This is back when CD-ROMs were popular in 2000, early 2000s and 2005 is when we published the first book. And so we put the book on CD-ROM, had an autoplay on it, and so when you would order it, we would actually physically send you a CD-ROM, you would put it into your computer, it would auto-load, and all of the book was there, it was an HTML, it was very, very easy to navigate, and it was quite a, quite a feat for me anyway to, uh, to design this thing back then. Plus the book we think is still very, very relevant to today. We're on our third edition now. We'll be working on our fourth edition of this book, updating it real soon. It's got over 300 photos, color photos of all the places that we've been. And we give very practical information about money, about healthcare, about traveling, you know, how to save and track your expenses and so on. So that was the first book, which was like Billy said, the hardest to do. And then we wrote our second book about five years later calling Your Retirement Dream is Possible. And um, that was sort of in the midst of the financial crisis. But we believe in people and we know that it could still happen. Yes. And then the other books on travel, those kind of happened as we put them together. Uh, little guides, you know, not so little actually, but guides yeah. to certain areas of the world. And and um, so the second book, the the body of the book with your retirement dream is possible went a lot more smoothly <laughs> we with, learned how to work that together <laughs> with these guys what we do you know when we're in a, when we're in a place uh, we get bombarded with questions on okay how do you do this how do you do that how do you get from the airport to where you are how do you, you know how do you fly how do you get out money? how do you get money right all kinds of things so we said we ought to just write a book and put it in there and let people just buy the book um, because we're just answering the same questions over and over again Awesome. So not only do you have these nine different books, you also have the active and engaged blog community where you're writing, you know, dozens if not hundreds of different articles all about retiring early and the website's called retireearlylifestyle.com. Uh, tell us about the origin of the website and what are some of the content there in terms of specific themes and topics you're covering. Well, um, when we first wrote, when we wrote our first book in 2005, we needed a way to market it. And so the website was a, was a must. Actually, prior to, prior to RetireLifestyle.com, we had a personal website that was using GeoCities. I don't know if the, you know anything about them, but they were a freebie. Um, and they, what would happen is they limited you to the amount of bandwidth and on a per-day basis. And so 
well, as we would send out articles that we wrote, this, our friends would forward them to other people, and they would forward it, and our GeoCities website continued to, was continuously going down. And so that's when we thought we had something here that we could write about, and people, then there would be a demand for it. And so when we wrote the, our first book, The Adventure's Guide to Early Retirement, we needed a way to distribute it and a way to market it. So that's, we needed a business website that looked more professional, and, and that's the way it all took off from there. Uh, and the website, uh, you know, that's a, that's a project that's in motion. I mean, we're always tweaking it, always changing it, trying to make it look a little better, trying to make it easier for people to, to navigate. Uh, and, you know, that's an ongoing thing. And it also, we love, we love getting in contact with our people. They yes. write to us and we write them back. We answer every email. And we have a newsletter that comes out every week so that, you know, we cover topics of money, finance, travel, uh, medical tourism, and so on. And I just did want to say that all of our books are now PDF easy downloads, so there's no CD-ROM no, anymore. No, the CD-ROM It's just real easy, just a minute to download the books. <laughs> what, one thing about our lifestyle, Ricky, is that um, we have met some great people. I mean, people that we would never, ever have met had we not written our book or have the website. And they, you know, they, or they, I could be like here in Chapala one day, I was walking down to the plaza and this guy comes up to me and says, are you Billy? Because <laughs> I, I wear a retire early lifestyle t-shirt. I can't see it in this picture, but, uh, um, uh, and, and I said, yeah, he goes, oh, I'm such a fan of your blah, blah, blah. Thank you so much. We bought your book, you know, a couple of years ago and we've been following your travels and here we are today. We wanted to thank you. And, you know, I yeah. mean, it's such a good feeling. And, and what we do then is we we have a happy hour dinner with them somewhere and uh, you know learn about their story and what where they came from and uh, it just enriches our life as well. It's been that, a wonderful journey meeting people. Yeah, speaking of the people who are in your community and fans, like that's how I found out about you guys when I was interviewing people who are expats and world travelers and authors. My buddy uh, who uh, who I know through social media, his name is Brian Balls. She's actually from Victoria, Australia. He's like. Have you guys interviewed, uh, you know, have you guys interviewed Acacia and Billy? And I didn't know anything about you guys then. And so I was like, tell me about them. And then he sent me the link, the website. And I'm like, oh, man, this is incredible. They retired young. <laughs> All of these resources. So I was like, okay, let's get you on the show. So I, I'm yeah, super grateful for Billy. Uh, shout out to him for connecting us together here. Uh, so you guys are particularly passionate about this area of medical tourism. And obviously, that's a growing field, and uh, there's a lot of fears, I think, of people doing it because they didn't trust the medical care in different parts of the world. But tell us about how did you guys get into medical tourism, and maybe some of your experiences of either doing surgeries, operations, or checkups, or work in terms of different cities, countries, and continents around the world. Well, you know, as I mentioned earlier, when you're traveling as a lifestyle, we've been doing it now for almost three decades, things happen. Uh, you get ill or it's time for a full medical checkup or you have to get certain annual exams um, or like an emergency. And Billy and I have both had our shares of emergencies and we've had everything from colonoscopies to plastic surgery. I almost lost my finger about six years ago in a freak accident. I got, had my ring catch on something and I almost pulled the finger off. It's called degloving. I know it's horrible. But the long and short of the story is that I had excellent care. I had plastic surgery with, with skin grafting and so on. This was done in Guatemala. And with hyperbaric chambers and two or three operations, 11 visits to the surgeon and so on, and all the medicine, 
it cost under three thousand dollars. And then, uh, you know, like I say, we've had blood tests and colonoscopies and um, eye tests and pressure tests and all sorts of things. And the pricing has really been affordable. We've had our best um, medical probably in Thailand, Mexico, and Guatemala. One thing we like to stress about medical tourism is that it's not, it's, the cost is very favorable. There's no doubt about that. And that's a big benefit. But it's also the care that we receive. It is so much more personable than, than we have received in, and we hate to say this, but our home country, the United States. Um, one example is I was in Guatemala and I had a gastritis attack. And uh, I had to go to the hospital, which was about four hours away in Guatemala City. And so I was in there for uh, th two or three nights. And they got me diagnosed and got me sorted out. And uh, when, I, when I went to leave, when I, when I was being discharged, the, the doctor came in, the lead doctor came in and said, okay, well, I'd like to see you in 10 days. And I said, well, doctor, I live in Panahashiel. It's four hours away. You know, it's a long way to come in just for a, uh, an office visit. Oh, he says, okay, here's my personal cell number. Call me. Just let me know you're okay. Now, in the U.S., that would never happen. <laughs> never. And, I mean, that's just one example of the, of the treatments that we've received from doctors over and over again. Um, and, and, and nurses, uh, in Thailand, you, when you go for medical care, you get your own personal translator, and there's this young lady who, who takes you through, and right. she makes sure you, you get to the right places with the right tests and so on. She speaks uh, Thai to the doctors, and she speaks English to us. And when you go into, say, somewhere like Bumrungrad in Bangkok, they have um, a whole floor with about mm, nine or 11 different uh check-in windows and those are nine to 11 different languages so there's sheikhs and kings and presidents you know from all over the world you know all over europe all over asia saudi arabia you know english and all these these languages and they all they speak that and then they give you your own personal translator to walk you around to make sure you get to where you need to be i, I have a saying that if you want to buy a health insurance have a thousand dollars ready to buy plankton ticket to Bangkok. You go to Bumgrad Hospital, it's one of the top hospitals in the world. And uh, like Acacia said, President. So one of the things I wanted to cover is some practical strategies. So there uh, might be some of our listeners or viewers who have not yet retired and they're considering retirement. They want to do and uh, create the lifestyle you have. They want to have their own retire early lifestyle. So uh, maybe you can give us some steps or a strategy or some, uh, you know, like a practical wisdom on what should they do to prepare for the retire early lifestyle. Work hard, save a lot and invest wisely. Those, that's the simplest way I can say it. And we suggest using uh, uh, index funds. We use US-based index funds like the Standard & Poor's 500, or VTI uh, ETF, which the Vanguard Total, and that incorporates just about all the stocks on the New York Stock Exchange and others, 3,800 stocks. And that's, that is my suggestion for these people, to, when you're young, save as much as you can, work as hard as you can, and put as much away as you can because they all have fifty-five years old. 
And our time left on this planet is getting shorter and shorter. Whereas somebody that's in their 20s or 30s or even their 40s, they've got much, many more decades than we have left. And time is your greatest asset when it comes to investing. And if you can get started early and you can sock as much away as you can, just do a, you know, on an Excel spreadsheet, just take a look at what that's going to be worth in 30 years, 35, 40 years. And I think you'll be amazed at how much uh, you can have at that period. And that's what we've done, basically. We just we created this money machine where where our investments, looking back, I want to do this on historical uh, facts, is looking back, we've averaged around 10% a year. And that is, you know, not every year is 10%, but some years are 15, some years are zero and uh, or negative, uh, like the 2007-8 financial crisis. But um, on average, since the day we retired, on the day we retired in, in 1991, the Standard & Poor's 500 closed at 312.49, 312.49. Today it's 28.50 something, I don't know exactly what it is, but that's a big jump. And it's not abnormal. That's the thing is this is it's pretty much normal. Uh, go back a hundred years, it's pretty much the same on the same climate. And uh, uh, what we do is out of that percent, we spend four percent or less, and we let the other six percent continue to be reinvested and grow. And so our net worth is has dramatically increased from the time when we retired back in '91. We also um, encourage people, if you're um, a partnership, to be on the same financial page. It's one of the most important things yes. about a, a partnership um, in order to become financially independent. If one of you squirrels away money and the other one's saving uh, or spending too much, that doesn't work very well. But if you're on the same financial page, then you just, you just turbocharge your ability to save money and invest and retire early. And we talk about four different areas of the highest spending in any household. And if you modify any of those categories, then you can find what we like to say extra money to either invest or spend in other areas of your retirement. And we explain those categories in our book. And our message is really simple. Um, it takes a little focus or commitment, but we believe that anybody with that focus and commitment can retire early. It's not something special. No. It's not like you have to be born rich or win the lottery. So we would like to have the common person be able to take charge of their lives and live it the way they'd like. We think becoming financially independent is one of the best things you can do for yourself and for the world. Your own freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you're definitely living that lifestyle. And one of the things we like to cover in our show, too, is not just the positives and the good stuff, because you'll see that all over social media. You'll see the beautiful beaches, the amazing lakes, the amazing sightseeing. <laughs> uh, but you want to see the struggles and challenges and the peaks and the valleys and the downtimes. Maybe you can share about some of those uh, struggles, challenges, and difficult times, too, that you guys have faced in the last uh, 28 years of retirement. Well, we've been through three or four uh tough market times all the way going back into the 90s. I believe 96, there was a major drop in the markets. And then and then everybody remembers Y2K and the dot-com bubble. And then there's the 2007, 2008. And each one of those is a gut check as to, you know, are we going to be able to hold or what's going on? So I've all of those and we're still here. Um, so uh, we think that uh, 
uh, investing for the long term really works. Uh, what what's another struggle? That well, I think being I don't know. I was just going to say something. Uh, being a woman, loving family, or maybe some women have children, you know, grandchildren, that kind of thing. That is a big deal for a lot of people. And I in my um, experience, it seems to hit the women more so than the men. But that's not necessarily true. But uh, that's always um, something that you have to have either make time for, or set aside a little cash to go visit the family or have the family can visit you. And it's a lot easier today than it was when we first retired. There was no internet, there was no email, there was no Facebook, there was no Skype, there was no WhatsApp, there's no little chats, you know, there was none of that. We had letters, we had a $30, you know, phone call for, you know, five minutes or something. And so today it's a lot easier. Today you can actually see the ch child or your adult children and you know, visiting is a lot easier, and and so uh, that's definitely a place where you need to um, find you know find a spot where you and your spouse can work that out with the kids. And it's a lot, like I say, it's a lot easier today than it used to be. But it's important. That shouldn't be poo-pooed and act you know roll your eyes about it. That's a big deal. If you want your spouse to support you, you have to you know. And the other thing, a lot of women that I speak to with is like uh, who travel. It's the women friendships. You know, Billy's my best friend, but you know he's a guy. So like it's just different. And women like to have women friends. And so you have to develop. You have to learn to develop them. You know, through, in different places, in different locations. Yes. And it's not just your neighborhood. You know, I've got friends all over the world. We chat on the phone, or we write emails, or we WhatsApp each other, and and it's very rewarding and very enriching. We think a challenge is just a way to become creative in how to solve that challenge. I know this makes us sound old, but you know, we were retired before the cell phone. <laughs> I know, I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. It's so much easier now. Yeah, it's definitely revolutionized travel in terms of even what we're doing now, right? The podcast and uh, video exactly. chatting. Uh, it's incredible that uh, I'm here in the Philippines, you guys are there in uh, Mexico, and boom, we have a good enough connection to have a normal chat, and it's not costing us anything besides, obviously, yeah. just that connection. So it's uh, remarkable how far technology has come and is going to con continue to come in the future as well. So, yeah, oh, for sure. It's, it's moving so fast. It's, uh, it's fascinating to me. It's exciting. So, yes. So speaking of the future and, you know, kind of uh, tech changes and all that, tell us about uh, what does the future hold for you guys? You guys have retired and moved and lived in different parts of the world. You mentioned Mexico, Lake Atilan, Guatemala. Tell us about where do you see yourself in the next few years and beyond in terms of your retirement, in terms of your location, in terms of your work and books and blog. Paint a picture for us. In nine days, we're going to the beach. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we, you know, we don't plan it out like that, Ricky. We, we just kind of let things happen and unfold. And, um, you know, we could be invited to come somewhere and we take a look at it and say, oh, well, we haven't been there. That seems interesting. And, and we could be on the plan to go. It just sort of, we kind of let things evolve and just, just uh, let our life uh uh, what unfold or yeah. I mean, there are still places in the world I'd like to see that I haven't seen. Um, we we've seen a lot of stuff, but I'd still like to go back to Greece and to Italy and to Spain. You know, and Billy uh, is a French chef, so we just love the food in France. And there's still places in South America we'd like to see, say Colombia or somewhere. We've already been to Ecuador, but and Venezuela. Know, Venezuela. Well, I wouldn't want to go now, but um, there's still places we'd we'd like to see. So that 
that's still there's still some enchantment left after all the for countries sure. you've seen. And, yeah. and like Billy says, you know, we don't really necessarily plan so far ahead of time, but if it hits us and we want to do it, we'll hop on that plane. And just because we're here in Chapala, Mexico, like I said, it's a base. We travel a lot inside uh -huh. Mexico. Mexico is a huge country, and uh, there's a lot of different areas and a lot of different uh, subcultures within Mexico. There's indigenous, there's the colonial cities, there's mountain towns, there's the beach. Yeah. You know, Mexico is amazing, actually. Mex Mexico is not just Cancun. No. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a lot more to Mexico than just the Puerto Vallarta and Cancun. <laughs> yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing how your journey unfolds and uh, you know uh, a lot of our guests are very similar to you including myself you know you don't even know what's going to happen next week so it's hard to predict next month or next year or a few right. years down the line right. so it's definitely a very spontaneous lifestyle that we lead that's yes, for sure yes. yes yeah spontaneous but with a purpose yes yes per like purposeful Yes. Yeah, we like to volunteer. We get involved in the communities. You know, we've done that all over all these years in our journeys with one volunteer project or another. And we really encourage that. You know, we don't understand how anybody can become bored. There's always something to do. You've got talents. I've got talents. Billy's got talents. So you just share what you know. And there's lots of organizations to join for volunteering. It's a great way to give back. Yesterday I was coaching a, a Mexican lady. She's 38. She's the daughter of a friend, a good friend of mine here. And uh, she was asking me about our lifestyle and how she can do what we can, what we're doing, et cetera, et cetera. So I tried to, you know, I spent an hour with her trying to show her the way and try to let her, she's got to learn it on her own. It's nothing I can do for her, but um, I tried to give her some tasks to follow up with and, and we'll see where it goes. You know, we'll see how much she really wants, wants to go, go there. And, uh, but it's up to her to learn about investing and then to uh, to make the income in order to invest. So, so, you know, we just try to help people the best we can. A little bit of guidance can go a long way. She's got some credit card debt, you know, and paying that off would be good, and then putting a little in the market and paying that off and, and investing and that kind of thing. So she's got like a plan of action for herself. Yeah, no, definitely it's all about giving back and impacting the communities that you're traveling in. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, through the part of, uh, the internet and your blog and your books, you're impacting, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands around the world as well. Uh, so in conclusion, you know, there might be some people who wanted to grab one of those nine books or subscribe to your email list to get those weekly updates and read through those um, uh, plentitude of articles on your website. How can people connect in terms of the website, the books, the social media and more? Well, they should write to us at the guide at retireearlylifestyle.com. We answer every email. Uh, we have a bookstore that's on our website, retireearlylifestyle.com, and you can click on that bookstore and order anything, and it's an instantaneous download PDF. And we, our books are available on the website and on Amazon. You can sign up for our newsletter, which comes out every week, and uh, you can ask us any question you want. We're, we're here to help, and we'd love to smooth out those tangled roads to your dream life of retirement. We also have a uh, YouTube uh, channel called oh, Financial Freedom Sustainability. And we, uh, we, we recently, uh, basically a year ago, we, we trashed our old one because it was before we knew what we were doing. <laughs> and, we st and so we still don't know what we're doing with it. <laughs> anyway, we're trying, to, we're trying to grow it a bit now. And... Uh, we think we're getting better and better at putting these videos up and trying to help people along our way.
So yeah, we've got a lot of experience, you know, 30 years of surviving all those crashes and medical things and just all the different countries. We have a lot of uh, information to share with people and 98% of it's free. So come, come see us, come join with us. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're easily uh, accessible. Yeah. Yes, and as the saying goes, the best way to know the road ahead is ask those who walked it before you. <laughs> very very you well go. put, yes. So I'll have the links below, uh, retireearlylifestyle.com, and of course, uh, the books, the bookstore, and the YouTube channel, and all the social media as well. So Billy, Acacia, it was definitely a joy, pleasure, and honor to have you guys on the podcast here today, and I'm sure a path will cross, either digitally and especially in real life as well. I look forward to connecting again. I hope so. Yes, I hope so. Let, let us know when you're in town, or we'll let you know when we're in the Philippines. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? We might meet somewhere in the middle. There you go. Thank All you right. so much. Thanks. Thank you, Ricky. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, muchas gracias. I was dead. De nada. And thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode. Definitely a very enlightening one. If you guys are, no matter what age you guys are at, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, you can also retire just like uh, our guest today. And uh, make sure you uh, grab a copy of the books. Make sure you check out their blog. Sign up for the email newsletter because it's, you know, if someone's done it, if Billy and Acacia can do it, so can you. Uh, so definitely connect with these guys. Connect with us as well. We're daddyblogger.com, traveling the world with three kids under, under six. So if we can do that, you can do that as well. So thanks, everyone. I will catch up with you guys in the next episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world.